Welcome to the Always Evolving Podcast. This is a podcast about living an awake, aware, conscious life. If it helps to evolve us as individuals, we will likely cover it at some point on this podcast. Because after all, we are always evolving and in all ways. I'm your host, Erica Boucher. Today, I'm going to dive into a very personal story. I'm basically going to tell you about my experience with a cult. This podcast will ultimately be a two-part podcast because I want to tell you how to identify a cult, what to, how to recognize it, what to look for, and how to be so clear and solid in who you are that you are impervious a cult is just not something that you could ever be susceptible to, so that you know exactly what to look for. So one thing I want to start by saying is, if you think that you would never fall for something like a cult, that might not be the case. I am going to tell you some stories of some very educated, conscious, aware individuals who, even with all of that training and experience, still found themselves knee-deep in a cult. That's one point that I want to make. And the other point is that cults are alive and well. They are, they're out there. They're in your community. I will bet you money. So let me just qualify that statement by saying that cults can be benign. They can be neutral. They, they really don't necessarily have to do harm. They're not necessarily a negative thing. But some cults are, and some of them are very dangerous. So there's, there's a continuum upon which cults and cult experiences lie. And it's important that you recognize and understand this. So the best way for me to really lay the foundation for this entire conversation around cults is to tell you about my personal experience and about some of the experiences of others that I know of. And that's going to take this entire episode right here, just to get deep into that. And then in the next episode of this podcast, I'm going to get into the nitty gritty about what a cult looks like, how to recognize it, how to identify it, and how to not get sucked in by it. So let's start with my own personal story. And in order to really paint the picture and give you a kind of a front row seat into what happened is to give you some backstory. So for those of you who have read my book, Showing Up Naked, you may already know some of this. Back up over 20 years, let's say 25 years ago, maybe even more, but we'll start at about 25 years ago in my life. I was pretty lost. I was doing everything I had been told to do in order to be happy. I got the education. I got the job. I got the house. I got the car. I got the clothes. Everything that was mapped out for me and shown to me to identify success. This is what a happy, successful life looks like. And yet, I wasn't happy. There was this gaping hole inside that I was always trying to fill. 
And sometimes I would fill it with food, sometimes with alcohol, sometimes with shopping, sometimes with television, any number of things to try to numb myself to the feeling of being empty inside or to fill that emptiness for a short period of time. But it was never very long lasting. And that's the problem with those short-term surface level solutions. So I started doing a lot of deep inner work. I started asking a lot of questions. What's missing? What do I want? What's going to make me happy? And fast forward a couple of years later, and I was given an opportunity to create a comprehensive rehabilitation program for homeless adults. And I was thrown into this situation. There was no program in place. There wasn't even a desk or a computer or a phone in place. They got this grant for an adult leadership program at this shelter for homeless families, and they needed somebody to create it from scratch. And there really wasn't much guidance there. There wasn't even an outline for me to go by. So I spent about three months just trying to figure out what should I teach them? What should I talk about in this program? And then I did get some coaching by the executive director and the program manager that we didn't just want to teach them how to type. We didn't just want to teach them how to balance a checkbook. We wanted to teach them how to break the cycle of dependency in their lives. We wanted to help them wake up and feel empowered to start consciously creating a different life for themselves. And as I talk about in my book, the most amazing thing happened because in the process of me creating that program for them, I did a lot of research. I read a lot of books. I watched documentaries. I interviewed and talked to other teachers. And in that process, I started to go through an awakening of my own. And I realized that the questions that I was seeking to answer for myself, everybody else was seeking to answer for themselves as well. This program at the homeless shelter that I ultimately ended up pulling together was incredibly powerful. So powerful that people from the community started sending family members to me to go through that program. Goodwill Industries started hiring me and sending me to other agencies, whether it was drug abuse shelters or domestic violence shelters, to start teaching the programs that I had created. They were making a difference in people's lives, and they, it made a difference in my life. Everything I taught, I personally applied in my own life, and all I can say is I went through an awakening. And it was my job to guide other people through a similar experience, a similar process of awakening, a journey of self-discovery. That was my job. For two full years, that was my job. And it was during that time I started writing the book, Showing Up Naked. Now, my process that I went through personally and the one that I guided my students through was and still is very gentle, very loving and kind, very compassionate. It's a gentle invitation to look at where our self-concept comes from, where our identity came from, and where our worldview, our map of the world, where that came from. And 
what I discovered is that most people are walking around with a self-concept that was almost entirely created by others. So if you go all the way back to the moment of your birth, you come into this world and you're pure love, you're pure innocence, your pure connection. You're connected to everyone and everything. I think about my little four-year-old niece, Zoe, and it's absolutely amazing to observe her because there's just joy there. There's just joy and love and awe at life. And the truth is, we all came into the world that way. We all came into the world as pure innocence, pure love, pure connection. And then at some point in time, the world around us starts grooming us to help us fit into society. And we start to receive messages from our parents, from our teachers, from our religious leaders, from our government leaders, from the media, from our neighbors, from the world around us. And it starts creating our map of the world and our self-concept. It's where it's how we decide where we fit into the world based on the messages that we got from other people, from the world around us. So most people, at some point, they adopt this self-concept that they didn't create and they just stepped into it. And so my job, when I did my own journey of self-discovery and in the work that I've done with hundreds, if not thousands of people over the last 20 years, is to get them to look at where did your self-concept come from? These things that you believe to be true about yourself, was it always true? Or is it because somebody else told you that it was true? It's really about peeling away the layers to the authentic self. That's the role that I have played for these past 20-something years in my work, is being able to look at what are my beliefs about myself and my place in this world how much of that is true? Was it always true or did it become true? Did I just step into a reality that was carefully curated for me by the world around me? And that's the journey that I take people through in my 12-week program. And it's the journey that I take people through in my book. And so because my journey of awakening and the journeys of awakening that I've assisted in guided other people through over the years was so loving and so gentle and so compassionate. When I was first exposed to the dark side of our search for answers, when I was first exposed to a cult, I didn't know what to look for. I wasn't prepared for it. I was blindsided. So the reason I want to tell you about this is because I don't want you to be blindsided. I want you to be armed with the knowledge that cults exist. They are out there. Some of them are dangerous and do a lot of damage. You can probably think of some cults throughout history that have made headlines and brought to the forefront of our awareness the fact that this is out there, that this does exist. And when I talk about the dark side of the search for answers, what I mean is when you begin this journey of self-discovery, when you embark on this journey of awakening, you 
become a seeker. You are a seeker of truth. You are a seeker of answers. You're like an archaeologist. You're starting to excavate your way through all of the social conditioning and the programming to which you've been exposed to get down to the core truth of who you are. In that journey, if you're not careful, you will be exposed to people and organizations that don't necessarily have your best interests in mind. And that's where my story begins. It was after I had spent a couple of years working at the homeless shelter and I was in transition. It was time for me to move on to the next thing, but I wasn't exactly 100% sure what that was going to be yet. And a friend of mine encouraged me to go to this weekend workshop. And she told me the name of it. I went online and it was very vague languaging. Like I really couldn't, I couldn't get my finger on the pulse of what it was about. But I was going based on the recommendation of a friend. And I show up at this weekend workshop. It is in a conference room of a hotel in Central Florida. And it's very uncomfortable seats with fluorescent lighting. There's about 120 of us in the room and there's one facilitator up on stage. This facilitator, it turns out, is a, was a criminal defense attorney who had become a leader, a workshop leader for this organization. Now, this is a worldwide organization, and I'm not going to mention the name because hopefully after listening, you'll be able to identify something like this from a mile away number one. And number two, we had to sign paperwork at the very beginning stating that we would never talk about our experience. I'm not even sure legally if I can mention the name of this organization, but if anybody wants to contact me personally, I'd be happy to tell you. I'm just not going to put it out there publicly on my podcast. So very early on, they make an argument. He makes an argument that The problem in the world is that people don't keep their word. And if we were not going to be that person, that person that doesn't keep their word, we are agreeing that what's going to happen in this weekend workshop is probably going to be challenging because it's going to butt up against some of our deeply held beliefs and it might be uncomfortable. It, we might be tempted to leave, but that would be breaking our word. And he basically said, before, before he even got into anything, so you still didn't know what you were getting into, he said, if you are going to leave, now's your chance. And it was right on the Friday evening at the very beginning. And if you don't leave, then you are agreeing now to stay to the end to keep your word to yourself and to everybody else here in this room that you are in this for the long haul. I know now that that is something called the double clutch. Basically, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Because if you leave, it means you're bailing on yourself because you don't want to grow. And if you stay, then it means you're agreeing to stay 
through whatever it is they put you through when they haven't even told you what it is yet. So in a sense, they're laying the foundation to take away your power of choice and your own free will. But I was curious and I trusted the friends that recommended it. And so I said, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm in. I don't know what, what I'm in for, but I'm curious. And the whole time it was this big question mark in my mind. What is this about? What is this about? What are they going to teach? Now, fast forward, and we're deep into the weekend, and I'm witnessing this criminal defense attorney turned program leader, and he's sharing things that are similar to the types of things that I would teach in my workshops and in my programs. So there's similar language. And this is one of the things about cults. They take this basic underlying truth, but then there's a point at which they manipulate it. They, they kind of bastardize it so that it serves their ultimate goal. And that goal is usually to get you to buy in to more programs, make deeper, bigger investments, and so on and so forth. So I'm listening to what he's saying, and I couldn't, I didn't have any argument with any of it. I was thinking, okay, he's using this language, but this is the language that I normally use in my workshops and in my classes. Okay, he's saying this, this is normally how I say it. So in my mind, I'm following what he's doing, and so far, I, I have no problem with it. Then he starts asking people to stand up and ask questions or engage with him in some way. And then I witnessed him one at a time with each person that got up, he verbally attacked them. He attacked their character. He attacked their integrity. And I remember sitting there and there was a point at which I scooted forward and I was sitting on the edge of my seat and I said to the person next to me, why is he doing it like that? He, he doesn't have to do it that way. I realized what he was trying to do. He was trying to provoke their egos so that they would have a breakdown. He was poking holes in their stories, in, the, in their social masks that they were wearing. He was poking holes in it until there was nothing left for them to do but have a breakdown and realize they had been living a lie their whole life. And, and I was watching him and I knew what he was doing, but I was appalled at the way that he was doing it. So I, stay, I, I stuck it out because remember, I agreed that this is gonna get uncomfortable and even though I may not understand why it's happening, I've agreed to stay through the end. And so still in my mind, I'm thinking, maybe there's something I'm just not understanding yet. Maybe there's something that he just hasn't gotten to yet. So I'm gonna watch and observe and, and learn. I'm going to learn from this experience. That was my intention and boy, did I learn. I even witnessed people when he would be attacking them and verbally attacking them. I would see, I remember this one young man who was probably 21, 22 years old, and I watched him attack everything that came out of this young man's mouth until that man literally fell to his knees like he was having a an evangelical moment. It reminded me of watching an, an evangelist up on stage. 
And that's exactly what this was. There was, it was an evangelist up on stage and the person that he was helping have his awakening. The problem is it was done in such a aggressive and even violent way, emotionally violent way, that it was very difficult for me to watch. But in the end, this kid, this guy, seemed to be happy with the outcome. He seemed to be grateful. And so I thought, okay, who am I to judge? If it's working, it's working. This guy seems to be happy. Then there was an opportunity and I was called on to speak. And so I walked up to the microphone and I started sharing. And this criminal defense attorney <laughs> turned program leader started to do the same thing to me. He started to attack me, my character. He started to attack what he thought was a story. He said things like, you are a fake. You are a phony. You have no love in your life. You don't love anybody and you don't let anybody love you. And he just kept going. And I stood there thinking, that's not accurate because Remember, I've already done my my self-discovery work. I'm deep into this journey by now, right? Like, this is not my first rodeo. I, I get what he's trying to accomplish. He's digging for gold, but gold is already standing there in front of him, right? But the problem is he didn't have the ability to recognize that. There's no screening process to identify where a person is in their own personal and unique journey. He just assumed everybody was in the same place of unconscious and asleep. So as he's saying these things and I realize what he's trying to do, I just stood there and I let him speak. And then when he stopped, I said, that just doesn't fit for me. And he said, I don't care what you think. And he continued to verbally assault me. And I stood there thinking, ah, I'm not sure why this is happening, but maybe somebody in the audience needs to see this. There must be some reason. If everything happens for a reason, and those of you who know me know that I don't really love that phrase anymore, but at the time, if everything happens for a reason, there must be some reason why I'm supposed to be up here having this experience. So he kept going, kept at it, and I was standing there just kind of like taking it, but not giving him the breakdown he was going for. And that's why he came at me really, really hard. When he was done, he just turned around and walked away because he was not, he wasn't accomplishing anything with me. So I start walking, you know, down from the stage and walking out and we go on to a break and this woman comes up to me and she said, wow, you are really strong. And I said, thank you. And she walked away. And I'm thinking to myself, it, it didn't really feel like strength because it didn't, it just honestly didn't fit for me. Nothing that he was saying rang true for me. I knew it wasn't true. So it wasn't really, it wasn't really hitting the bullseye. It, it didn't feel like that much of an attack because I knew it simply wasn't true. But what was fascinating is I started to see the people in this group one by one having these little 
moments of, I guess you could call them moments of awakening. But what was interesting was I couldn't feel them. I, I was seeing this glassed over look in their eyes, like this glazed look to their eyes. And I couldn't feel them. It was like they weren't even there. I knew I was there. <laughs> I was awake. I was aware. I was conscious of what was going on. And I knew exactly what this guy was up to. But I couldn't feel them. It was the strangest thing to witness. What was more traumatizing to me about that experience was not what he did or said to me, but what I saw happening with the other people in the room. And at one point in the weekend, I'm just kind of watching. And there were, now bear in mind, in the room, there were doctors, lawyers, there were psychologists, educated people. And I kept thinking, somebody is seeing through this. Somebody is seeing through this. And I'm quite sure there was at least a few people in that room that were horrified by what they were witnessing, but they didn't understand it. They, I'm sure they didn't understand it because I didn't understand it. I mean, I knew what he was trying for, but I didn't understand why he was doing what he was doing. To make matters worse, at one point, that young gentleman that I told you about that fell to his knees on stage, he came up to me and he said, so how are you doing? And I said, I'm fine. But in my mind, I'm thinking I'm really freaked out because I feel like I'm in a room of zombies. I didn't say that. I just said, I'm fine. And he said, did I say you're not fine? And I said, you just asked me how I was doing. And he said, you're going to be okay. And he walked away. And I realized we are living in two completely different realities in this room right now. And that was the creepiest thing about the entire experience. So at one point, I thought, nobody seems to know, nobody seems to be able to tell that I'm awake. They can't see that or feel that in me. He, the, he can't, the leader up on stage, this gentleman, this young guy who just had this conversation with me can't see it. So I thought, I wonder if they'll believe it if I play along. So I started to play along and pretended that I understood why he was doing what he was doing and that, that it all made sense to me and that I belonged, right? I was playing into that. I belong here in this group. I get it too kind of thing. And the most interesting thing about it is nobody could tell that I was faking. <laughs> nobody noticed that I was faking. So I did finish the weekend and it was more of a, it was more of, I don't know how to describe it. I guess it was homework. I was trying to figure out what am I witnessing here and where is this going? And is there something that's going to happen at the end that's going to help all of this make sense? Well, the truth is there wasn't. There wasn't anything that made what he did or said or the way he was doing what he was doing okay. However, what I did realize was that toward the end, on the very last day, there was a hard sell to invest in yourself to go to this next level. So basically what happened in that first weekend 
is he was attacking your ego, attacking your story, attacking whatever safety mechanisms you had put into place over the course of your lifetime and left you as a raw nerve or an open wound. So pretty much anybody that he was able to successfully get to that place was going to want to buy into that next level because the next level was, now let's figure out who you are. Now let's build you back up. But the problem is they're building you back up with a new construct that they have created for you. So this next level was three times, if not four times more expensive than that initial weekend, which was intentionally kept affordable to get you in the door. There were many levels above that. I mean, you could go as far as you wanted. You could spend tens of thousands of dollars in this program if you wanted to go that far and make that kind of an investment. Also, there was a lot of push for you to indoctrinate friends and family members. I mean, it was a hard sell, hard push to do two things. Take it to the next level, your own personal journey, and get other people in on it too. And that was the big takeaway, that this is a money-making venture. I did the math afterwards and figured out that, if I recall correctly, this weekend was about around $350, give or take. It was around $350 per person. And there were 120 people in that room. Now, this particular program happens probably easily once a week in every single state in the country. There's actually probably several happening in every single state in the country every week. And remember, this is not just in the United States. This is a worldwide organization. So I started to think to myself, what kind of money is this organization pulling in? And remember, as you get deeper and deeper into it, it gets a lot more expensive. But just based on the $350 initial weekend investment, let's assume there's just one happening in every state. I know there's more than that, but let's just say conservative number, there's one happening in every state every week. Do the math. This organization is making millions and millions of dollars by basically convincing the people that go through that initial weekend, that introductory weekend, that we have the answers. You've been lied to your whole life. You've been misled your whole life. You have been living out a concept and program that has been given to you by other people. And then they sell you on a program that's going to give you a, a self-concept and a construct of the world that is built with their help. And that is the danger because it puts you in a position of needing somebody else to give you your truth and to make a really expensive and long-lasting investment in it in the process. And then you have to start recruiting friends and family members. You end up becoming that person, right? So that experience was so 
it was so, what's the, what's the best word? It was so icky. <laughs> it was so appalling. It was so disturbing. That's the word. It was so disturbing to witness this mass brainwashing that happened in that room that weekend that I felt traumatized afterwards. I really had a post-traumatic stress response. I remember going home, going, going back to my apartment, and I took all my clothes off. I went into the bathroom, closed the door, and got into the tub, and I felt like there was this black energy in the room with me. It felt dark. It felt evil, and it felt scary. It was awful. I had never experienced anything like that in my life. I ended up talking to a very good friend of mine who is a psychologist and filled him in on everything that happened. And he was really quiet after I finished talking. And then he said he was furious that that had happened to me because this is somebody who had witnessed my unfolding over a few years. And his his exact words were, you just experienced a psychic rape, like a violent psychic rape. And that's what that felt like. It was so creepy to me to witness and experience that kind of energy and to know that it's out there. And for a long time, the longest time, I really didn't understand why I had that experience, right? Like if everything happens for a reason, why does everything happen? Like, why did that happen? Most people who know me now know that I don't like to say everything happens for a reason. What I say instead is, what is the gift in this experience? What was the gift in that experience for me? And that was what I was trying to get at. I was trying to understand what the gift was in that experience. I ended up going through a group counseling thing when I was pursuing my mental health counseling license. I took one semester at Rollins College, and then I decided that wasn't the direction I wanted to go. But one of the classes we had to take was called group therapy. And so that's what we did. We were in groups of 10 people, and we had two facilitators in each group. And when it came around to me to share, I, I had to share about that experience. And I talked about what that experience was and how traumatizing it was and how I was still trying to make sense of why it happened to me. And the most interesting thing happened. One of the facilitators, one of the two people facilitating that group said to me, I went through that exact same experience 10 years ago, and I'm still trying to understand why that happened. So 10 years later, she still felt traumatized by it. So I started doing some research and I found online lots of people who had big problems with this organization and the experiences that they had. One man said, quote, stay away. This is an intense course that deconstructs personality and rebuilds it around continued participation in the group. Anal retentive 
nonstop participation in seminars and advanced courses is sold hard, end quote. Another man described his experience as, quote, the most powerful and dangerous experience in my life, end quote. He says he was so disoriented after the seminar that he couldn't work for three days and that those, quote, three days after my experience were a living hell, unlike anything I had experienced in 21 years of formal training and six years of medical residency in New York City. These experiences are not a benign process. There is a real and measurable risk to the individuals involved in this work. So far, I have found eight case reports in the medical literature describing complete mental breakdowns requiring hospitalizations after this training, end quote. The results of that experience stayed with me for a long time. And whenever I would talk about it, whenever I would share about that experience and the rare cases when it felt safe to do so, my body would start to physically tremble. Like I would physically start trembling because it was so traumatic to witness that. I'm lucky and that I had already done so much self-work and I was so very clear about who I am and what's true for me, that the damage could have been a lot worse. But it really made me question, how is it that people are so easily led? If we're not careful, we are easily victimized. We are easily led. If we haven't yet been told or taught to think for ourselves. Those of you who have read my book, you know that there's a whole section in there called Think for Yourself. So 10 years after my experience, I decided to go through hypnotherapy training because I wanted to understand how is the mind influenced? How does this work? Mostly, I wanted to be able to be very good at my guided meditations. I wanted to use it for good, but at the same time, I really wanted to understand how that happened. So I went through my hypnotherapy certification and training, and I got a really good understanding of how the mind works. And I'm going to be talking about that in some subsequent podcasts. So if that's something that you'd like to have a better understanding of yourself, stay tuned. Now, after that experience and after going through my hypnotherapy training, I witnessed some friends that got sucked into a cult. Both of these women are educated, aware, intelligent women. And they both got sucked in. Still, even being as awake and aware as they were, they got sucked in. They both were going through an interesting transition in their lives. They were both heartbroken. They had just gone through very devastating breakups, almost at the exact same time. And so they were definitely in a weakened state. And they were trying to get me to, to join them. They basically sold all of their belongings and moved across country to join this cult. And they wanted me to go with them. And, and I like to pride myself on being open-minded. And even though my little 
bells and whistles and sirens were going off telling me mm, mm, something's wrong here. This doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel right. Again, I had so much respect for them. I wanted to be open-minded. So I made a trip out there with them and it was confirmed for me that it was a cult. And I kept expecting them to see it at any time, but they didn't. And we came back. They kept talking about we're going to sell everything and we're going to go. We're going to go join this group. And I knew it was a cult. And I remember standing in the kitchen with them one day saying, you guys, this is a cult. Think, think about it for a minute. Think this is a cult. And they both stood there looking at me like it just didn't compute. It didn't register. And I knew then there was nothing I could do to get through to them. They were going to have to figure it out on their own. And they did. They sold all their belongings, moved across country. And I think I might have talked to one of them one time. And I could tell, just like when I was in that room, looking at the people with the glazed look in their eyes, I could tell she wasn't there anymore. And I remember hanging up the phone thinking, I'm going to wait. She's going to come back. I know she's going to wake up. I know she's going to wake up from this. It's probably going to take a year and a half to two years, but she's going to come back. And sure enough, I started to hear from both of them about a year and a half later. Both of them reached out to me and said, you were right. It's a cult. And they had to get themselves out of that situation and move back home and start to rebuild their life and rebuild their trust in themselves. And it was quite a journey for them that they probably are still healing from. So this feels like a good place to stop because next week I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into what to look for, how to recognize it, how to not be vulnerable to such an experience. And I also have some more stories to tell you of sometimes when I felt like I intervened at just the right time to keep a couple of friends, other friends, from getting sucked into a situation more deeply than I knew was healthy for them. So anyway, I, I know there's a lot here. This, I'm finally at a point in my life where I can talk about this and I can tell this story without feeling all of that energy in my body. It's, I'm not traumatized by this experience anymore. And the reason Remember I talked about what is the gift in this? The gift in that experience is that it has now empowered me as a result of my experience, watching what happened to my friends, going through my hypnotherapy training, and everything that has led up to this moment. I'm very clear that the gift in that experience is that now I can share it with other people and use it as an opportunity to educate and raise awareness. I started writing articles about cults 10 years ago. I've been published in some different publications, but this is the first time that I've ever really publicly talked about it. Those people who have gone through my yoga teacher training or have done private coaching with me may have heard the story, but I've never really put it out there in public for the public to hear or witness. So anyway, I'm curious about how this landed for you. Have you ever experienced a cult? Have you witnessed a cult? Do you have any friends or family members that have been involved in a cult? And 
there's kind of a cult phenomenon that we're going through right now that you might already be thinking about. I'm curious what this brings up for you. So please feel free to communicate with me. You can send me an email at erica at ericaboucher.com. I hope that this has been helpful and enlightening. And if you want to take a deeper dive into yourself, a gentle, loving, kind journey of self-discovery, consider getting your hands on a copy of my book, Showing Up Naked. It is full of exercises, journal exercises, meditations to help you get to your own truth, your authentic self. It's not about me replacing a construct that you were previously living under with a new construct of my design. It is very much about supporting you in your own journey of self-discovery. If that sounds appealing to you right about now, go to showingupnaked.com and grab a hold of a copy of my book. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Until next time, namaste. Thank you for listening to this episode of Always Evolving. Please feel free to share this episode with anyone you think might appreciate it. And if you enjoyed this podcast, let me know by leaving me a five-star rating. Until next time, keep learning, keep growing, keep evolving.